0: Is Ronaldo oh my goodness you don't save those out of this world
1: Messi 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 3 nothing. Landon Donovan there are things on here for the USA can they do it here cross and Dempsey is denied again
0: and Donovan has scored Can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth
1: time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world.
0: From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports.
1: Welcome back, folks. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. It is Tuesday, December 28th. A couple days out from New Year's. WFUVFC is back. I'm Keenan Troy. I'm joined alongside James Burley. James, it's been a minute since you've been on the show. Last week, we previewed Christmas Boxing Day, but I gotta ask, how's winter break going for you?
0: Uh, You know, it's not great with Omicron. I mean, uh, it's not just me dealing with that. That's kind of a worldly issue, but, you know, it's been good to get to sit back a little bit, no classes. That's been fun, but spending some time with family, its it's been okay. I can't really complain. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I
1: mean, same for me. Any time away from the classroom is time well spent, in my opinion. You know, Omnicron, whatever's going to come of it, it's going to come of it. We've been living and going on two years of this now, so I'm sure, like myself, you're ready just to kind of roll with whatever the world throws at us. Mm-hmm. But As we approach New Year's, Michael Hernandez, who unfortunately wasn't able to join us today because of technical issues, he's on a cruise enjoying all the great comforts of the South and into the Caribbean. Me and James here are going to break down what the year has been for soccer, a little year in review. And also, you know, 2021 saw the return of FUVFC. It was once upon a time back in the 2018-19 calendar year, it was a contributing member to the WFUV sports community, but then, you know, with graduating seniors leaving, it's difficult to, difficult to find a good footing. But, you know, I've been really proud of how far this podcast has come, just from starting over the summer with Dylan Balsamo and Danny Perry, now to getting in a slew of guests that rotate in and out and always being on top of the soccer stuff. So, you know, huge apl- applause for not only you, James. You know, I'll pat myself on the back, but for everyone that's joined the show on the course of the year and really helped it come back as a com- you know, a contributing partner of the WFEV sports community. It's super fun that we're able to do this every week and break down everything that's happening in the world of soccer. But with all that being said, James, it's been an incredible year for soccer after whatever 2021, 2020 was, excuse me, throw any, you know, adjective you want in front of that. There's been a ton of good soccer throughout the world. And so I'm wondering what was your favorite storyline from the 2021 calendar year?
0: Well, I mean, there are so many to choose from, but <clears throat> personally, I have to go with the Euro 2020, of course, still named 2020, although taking place in the summer of 2021, um, because I myself am Italian, and that was just such a joy to watch. Fans going back into stadiums, um, you, you know, resuming international football. I love international competition so much. And to be able to watch uh, one of my favorite nations, Italy, I'm half Italian on my mother's side. So seeing that happen was was just absolutely brilliant. The whole banter of it all, too. It's coming home. It's coming to Rome. I loved every second of it. That was had to have been my favorite moment.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, not only international soccer returning, but a team like Italy who missed out on the most recent World Cup back in 2018. And, you know, questions of them within, you know, Euro Nations League, where they stack up, you know, they had a really good running group play, but still that looming question of can this team compete at the top level? And then couple that final with them against England, who we know, you know, have had golden generation upon golden generation, but seemingly can never can never cross that threshold into champions. That entire tournament was, you know, riddled with emotions, not only because soccer had returned, but also if you look at like the Erickson incident, which was, you know, huge red flag, and then battling COVID and everything that Euro 2020 being played in 2021, I think was the pinnacle of soccer this past calendar year and you couldn't have picked a better moment just because, you know, the Euros are with the exception of the world cup, probably the premier international tournament. And it was a tournament for the ages and what a return to international soccer that was for myself. I think surprisingly out of the 2021 calendar year. And, you know, I see you wearing the USA men's national team hat James and, I think the biggest storyline that I could follow is that the U.S. looks dominant in CONCACAF and looks like to be, at least we sit now and hope, the team that we've been hoping for since 2016. You know, you see them win the Gold Cup, that big win against Mexico in the CONCACAF, you know, Nations League, whatever you want to call it. And then also, you know, really good qualifying form, you know, ups and downs with that. But you win again, you beat Mexico you got some more games coming up in 2022 in the start of the spring, but by and large, big leaps and bounds have been taken by the U S men's program to set themselves up in a really good position to qualify for cutter. So I think, you know, going into 2021 with the return of international soccer with COVID and balancing all these crazy schedules, I was really relieved to see that the United States has been able to maintain some form of consistency in terms of keeping players fit and, you know, managing COVID as guys come back from Europe, but also asserting themselves as a dominant force in CONCACAF, just because we all know what happened when they lost to Trinidad, red flags across the entirety of, you know, U.S. Soccer Federation, and for them to return to form, you know, that big win against Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League was huge. Then you go on to win the Gold Cup, beat Mexico in qualifying, you beat Costa Rica in qualifying, set yourself up in a position to qualify for Qatar. It's just a good feeling for U.S. soccer just because of the most recent failed World Cup qualifying attempt. You hope that this would be the result you'd get from a team that should be going far. And so far, all signs are pointing towards that.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, obviously, there's some uncertainty going forward with what, you know, the landscape of international soccer is going to look like with the coronavirus. But looking back, it, 2021 was really like a landmark year for the United States. Um, in my lifetime, is one of the most successful years. The tied for the most wins they've had in the calendar year. I think it was 17. They scored more than 40 goals. Uh, they had so many different players come in and be a huge part of the team too. You had that Gold Cup. People were calling it a C team, and they still managed to beat what looked like Mexico's A team or A minus team, if you want to call it that. And then in the Nations League, huge turnaround. At the beginning, of the league, victory after victory against Mexico in qualifying. League, kind of looked down and, you know, it's like that I'd almost be, I mean, knock on wood to get guitar. And...
1: Yeah. And so I think, you know, with the United States playing so well and showing all the traits that we're looking for, it sets up 2022 to be really a judgment day kind of year as they've, you know, maybe played two expectations, exceeded expectations, certainly a little bit. Now 2022 is on the calendar and you're looking at, What's going to be, you know, make or break? Where are they going to finish in CONCACAF? Can they get the cutter All those questions will be asked in the upcoming calendar year. So it's increasingly important that they had such a successful 2021 campaign so that moving forward, they put themselves in a position to answer all the questions that everyone's been wanting to know from this so-called golden generation of American soccer talent. That does it for, you know, the first segment of our yearly recap, Michael. Michael, James, oh my goodness. Um, I want to transition now to shocking news. Because in a year that saw pretty much every big storyline across soccer come unfold, what really took your attention? And I, I mean, I've got my choice. I think it's, for me at least, it's Messi leaving Barcelona. I think, you know, we're two younger guys, and we've grown up with Messi and Barcelona being synonymous since 07. Mm -hmm. And him moving to PSG, I think, shocked the entire soccer world. You know, we see Ronaldo move to United, but after he left Real, his allegiance to Juve, you never really thought too much of it, at least in my opinion. But that Messi move to Barcelona, that just shocked me, and maybe even puzzled me, as we've seen. You know, there's been some problems in his gelling there, but outside of that. On paper, assembling probably the best strike trio we've seen since Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. This would probably rival that. But also, him leaving a club that he's been with since he was a boy, won everything for, has become synonymous within the city of Barcelona for probably being one of the best, if not the best, Barcelona player of all time for tenure and also accomplishments. Him leaving really just, you know, not only shook the soccer world, but shook me just saying that, like, this is – completely new era of soccer and I think we've seen that with Barcelona's poor run of form recently you know getting kicked out of the Champions League not doing so well in La Liga but Messi leaving I think is you know crucial to all of Barcelona's shortcomings in the 2021-2022 season.
0: Yeah I mean 2021 really was the year of of Lionel Messi not to say that every other year has been the year hasn't been the year of Lionel Messi but you think about the year he's had. He won his first international trophy at the Copa America uh, with Argentina beating Brazil in that final. He made that shock move to PSG because Barcelona simply is in shambles financially and both performatively on the pitch. And you know, it's, and he goes on and wins his seventh Ballon d'Or. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, all that is obviously shocking. Ronaldo, you mentioned, the return to United also took me by surprise. But I think just Barcelona in general, Uh, for me has been one of the, one of the biggest uh, shocks because they have been for my entire lifetime, they were the model club of world football. You looked at them and you said, this is the team we want to be. We want to play like this team. We want to have the youth culture of this team and we want to have the players and coaching that they have. And lately, you know, finishing third in the 2020 2021 season, I believe they're in seventh right now outside of European competition altogether you know, going to the Europa League uh, in European play this year, that has just been absolutely shocking to me. Um, such a poorly run club from the top down at this point. And from what was this, this absolute god of, of international soccer in, in Barcelona has now become almost a laughing laughingstock. And I, and I feel for Barcelona supporters, and I feel for, you know – I honestly sometimes myself and just regular soccer fans because they were so fun to watch and now they're kind of depressing uh so that has been a huge shock for me not only that uh we haven't mentioned either the super league either that was you know crazy shocking story earlier in the year where it feel it felt like uh soccer as we knew it was going to be destroyed and now we we kind of saved it then it's still kind of uh, you know up in the air what those owners of uh, Real Madrid, Barca, and I believe Juventus is the third team that are still committed to it. Um, Florentino Perez is the guy who's behind the whole thing, pulling the strings. That was very scary. Um, I wrote about it uh, earlier in the year, and a lot of people, you know, all the protests, a lot of people all over Europe really, really hated that. And it seemed like it was saved, but I don't know. That's still up in the air. So we'll see what happens with the Super League. That was also a crazy story. But, yeah, for me, Barcelona being what they have become now has been probably the craziest story to me and I love that you touched on the Super
1: League James because I remember when that was all happening that was early 2021 maybe February into March and we saw just such a upheaval from soccer fans across Europe and even like in domestically in the states too like you said you wrote about it I was vocal on Twitter I did some stuff for WFUV here but You know, especially in Europe, you saw the protests, not only from those, you know, clubs that were rumored to join the Super League, but also from clubs that were unaffiliated with the Super League altogether, but felt that, you know, and recognized that if the Super League were to be formed, so much of the sanctity of soccer, which has been, you know, huge as a European institution, would be infringed upon. So I think that was the most important place to start as I think we can broadly say that 2021 in a, you know, was a year like no other, but certainly if we look at 2020, you know, with all soccer being paused, you know, international competitions being stopped 2021 was definitely a return to normalcy. And I think as we graduated from, you know, the realness of the super league with that being done away with, it issued in perhaps the closest thing to normalcy we've seen since 2019 2018 season of just hard-nosed competition and you know I'd say the Premier League is as strong as it's ever been you know PSG is kind of still trying to play that spoiler in you know Europe PSG historically has always been right on that cusp of being very good they've stepped into that role now of saying we're here to contend I think You know, we mentioned Barcelona falling off, but with the exception of that, you know, La Liga is as competitive as ever, you know, Real Madrid is becoming a superpower once more. So I think 2021, by and large, with the exception of that Super League, you know, scare back in February, I really think 2021 was a step in the right direction for soccer. And I I mean, how could it not be? But also, it was good, you know, from a fan's perspective, if you're an owner, especially to see soccer being played, being played competitively, and really returning true to what it should be, which is, you know, away matches being hell, home matches being completely emphatic with your fans in the stands. So this all being said, I'm curious, James, as we look, approach 2022, do you expect any storylines, predictions that we could see come true? Is Xavi gonna turn Barcelona around? Is Pep gonna stay at City? I know he's extended at least through one more year. What's Man United going to look like? What are we thinking about for 2022?
0: Well, <clears throat> I'm going to start with uh, you mentioned Man City, Man United there with Pep and Man U. So I'm going to start with the Prem. I think, um, well, we've already seen it. It's kind of an easy prediction, but I think City, Liverpool, and Chelsea those three teams have been uh, probably the three best teams in the world, with the exception of maybe Bayern and Real Madrid. Um, I think one of those three are going to win. Obviously, the Prem because those teams are so far ahead of everybody else. And uh, one of those three teams who doesn't win the Prem is also going to win the Champions League. So should Liverpool win the league, City or Chelsea are going to win the Champions League. City are finally going to get, um, you know, the Champions League hump off their back. If I had to, I had to make a prediction of those three now. Um, we talked about how competitive uh, the leagues have been. And I think uh, one thing that we didn't really touch upon is Serie A. The, the Serie A table is uh, pretty tight. You know, from first to sixth, you've got Inter, AC Milan, Napoli, uh, Atalanta, Juventus, and Roma all really fighting for European spots. I mean, about 14 points separate first and sixth, but going for that top spot, you've got uh, eight points between first and fourth. So that's a really tight race with some really good teams. And people have been writing off Serie A for a little while now, but you know, that's, that's uh, something that people should keep their eye out for uh, in the last couple of years and definitely for upcoming in 2022 because you've got some really, really talented teams like Atalanta, the run that they made in 2020 in the Champions League. You know, they are a team that could do you really make some uh, make some noise in Serie A and in Europe going forward. Um, talking about Barcelona, do I think Xavi is going to turn the team around? Right now, it looks like no. Um, again, they're, they're a debacle. Uh, they obviously have no shortage of uh, young talent, you know, Gavi, Antufati, uh, obviously, some injuries uh, are involved in that, but for now, they're they're gonna have to change a lot if they want to, you know, get back to a Champions League spot again. As I said earlier, I think they're in seventh. Uh, they need to get back to fourth, and there's some points that they have to, uh, you know, come up with if they really want to get back there. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I talk about Barcelona, it, it's only depressing at the moment and that is that is really shocking as as we touched upon earlier. So I don't know where they're going in the future. It, it doesn't look like up right now.
1: I think what you you brought up Syria and I think that's so important to the point that I'm going to make here, which is I think in 2022, especially in this upcoming Champions League but especially for next year, we're going to see probably the most transparency in European football that we've seen in a long time just because we're so used to whether it be you know, 15 years ago when AC Milan and Inter were dominant. And, you know, with the exception of a good Liverpool team and a good Man U team, the Premier League was playing second fiddle and what was the Bundesliga? And then you see the ra- rise of the Spanish giants and everyone's playing second fiddle to them. I think, as you mentioned, the Serie A, you know, you've got Lille that's through into the knockouts. Yeah, PSG that's emerging as a Titan. You know, Olympic Lyon is not in the Champions League, but they're looking probably as one of the premier contenders for Europa League. Syria, as we talked about, you know, if you watch AC Milan, they play Liverpool really well, didn't get through to the knockouts because they lost head-to-head to Atleti, but they were in it to the last match day. Atalanta was in it to the match last match day against Villarreal. Inter's through. So I think upcoming in 2022, not only do we have the World Cup, which everyone should be excited about, but I think biggest storyline is that when it comes to European football we're going to see the most transparency ever that you know will Bayern still be dominant yes will Madrid still be Madrid will City whatever I think that we're going to see dependent I mean obviously dependent on group draws but I think across the big five leagues I think that it's going to be tight every single time a team from the big five plays one another and then the second storyline that I think is going to be shocking is When it comes to the World Cup, it's going to pain me to say it because I don't want them to win, but I think this is the year England finally gets the monkey off their back. Their squad is not only so deep, but I think they finally have the veteran presence necessary to make a deep run. Harry Kane's probably going to be competing in one of his last international tournaments here. You know, when you got the likes of Sterling, Sancho, Rashford, Greenwood, Grealish. They have the depth necessary, and Garrett Southgate has proven in his past two tournaments that he knows how to run this side. I think they're just waiting for a time in which they get the best performance out of everyone, and I think Cutter's going to be their last chance with a more veteran group. I don't think Harry McGuire should see the pitch for this English national team, just because he is god-awful, but I think with the quality they have in that side and the depth they have in that side, they have to be coming in as somewhat favorite and I think they rightfully should be, and, you know, obviously it depends on what shakes out, who's fit, who's not, but just on paper, I think this English team is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, being so close in Euro, being so close in 2018 in Russia. And I think that this tournament is theirs to
0: take. Yeah. You know, Keenan, I'm really glad you said that because ever since uh, 2018, I have said that England are due for after, after they crashed out in the uh, semifinal in the world cup in 2018, I've been saying that England are due for an international trophy and I was almost convinced for a minute there that they were gonna win Euro 2021 you know being at home for that final uh, you know they really really um missed a huge opportunity there but yeah I agree I have said for a couple of years now that they're gonna be my favorite at the 2022 World Cup and I, I again I don't necessarily want it to happen um, English fans probably won't let the rest of the world forget it if they do win but Yeah, uh, like you said, they they finally have that veteran presence. Now they have a group of guys who have been at two international competitions and have been from the first match to the last match uh, at both of those, basically. And they have so much quality from top to bottom. And, you know, even when people like cast doubts on their squad, like people say Jordan Pickford isn't that good of a goalkeeper, but he was stellar at the World Cup and at the Euros this past summer. You know, in defense, they have some of the best – they have the three of the best right backs in the world. Um, left back, they have Chilwell, and they have so many options. Center back, you mentioned Harry Maguire. I don't think he is going to play even because, you know, they've got guys like Joe Gomez He doesn't get much of a look. You've got Stones. you got Tamori. They have so many players who can play in that role. Central midfield, Declan Rice. They, they really are – and that's not even to mention the, the plethora of, of – amazing forwards and wingers that they have so they really are um a special team and now that they have that leadership and that experience it that stuff is invaluable and they should go on to do great things in 2022 at Qatar and
1: I think it's you know so crazy that we're even talking about Qatar now just because it being played in the winter months or the late fall months or whatever time you want to call October, and November, I guess it's fall. If you follow the calendar year, but sometimes it doesn't even feel like fall, at least in New York. It's crazy that we're talking about it now, but I think we talked about at the start of the show, you know, with Euro 2021 being the return to normalcy, I think hoping that all goes well, that world cup is just going to be to die for because of everything that's happened in the four year gap between 2018 and 2022. Just urges teams to go out and play harder. And I think you're going to see, you know, going back to my comment about transparency, you know, within, you know, English uh, European club soccer, I think this World Cup too is going to be a phenomenal display of transparency at the international level, just because, you know, we saw in this past Euros that, you know, Germany's not the Germany of old. You know, the Netherlands are qualified, you know, Italy's still fighting for qualification. Mexico and the United States, both, you know, the U.S. edging them, but they both are forces to be reckoned with. And then out of <clears throat> out of Africa still, Algeria is still good. Nigeria is still, you know, relatively okay. I think Senegal is going to be a force to be reckoned with. We saw them in 2018, you know, didn't get to go through because of fair points play or whatever, fair play points, you know. And then across Europe, 2018, we had the shocker of Croatia running it all. But There's always teams in the World Cup that seemingly make deep runs that we're not expecting. But I think for 2022's World Cup, we can expect deep runs out of over half of the teams in the competition and probably out of half of the teams that aren't European soccer countries. So I think 2022's World Cup is going to be the pinnacle of soccer returning to normalcy, but also issuing a new era of international soccer where the titans of old, are still going to be the Titans of old, but they have to play solid 90 minutes of football in order to compete with the guys that they once walked all over.
0: Yeah. um, I'm glad you mentioned the, the timing of uh, the world cup because that's going to be strange, but um, just being in November, October, December, whenever that's going to be, a match is going to be at 5.00 AM here. um, So should the U S qualify, you better believe I'll be waking up at four (laughs) 30 to get prepared for that game. But, You know, Nonetheless, yeah, so many teams are going to be fighting harder for it just because it's a return, and especially, as I mentioned, the U.S., should they make it knock on wood, um, it's going to be eight-plus years since they've played in the World Cup for them. So you better believe they're going to be hungry. And you talked about teams making deep runs, and I'm glad you did because um, as we've seen when the World Cup is hosted outside of Europe, um, we see teams from that home continent, not necessarily the, the host itself. They always perform better. So, you know, 2010, Ghana in South Africa, you know, becoming the first African team to reach the final eight of a World Cup. And in 2014, you had two South American teams reach the semifinals. Uh, 2002, you had South Korea and South Korea-Japan World Cup going to the semis. So I think it, it's not unfathomable to, to suggest that an Asian team is going to, you know, overperform at Qatar 2022, and maybe we see an Asian team go to the quarterfinals uh, for the first time since 2002. A team like Iran, who has looked pretty good in qualifying, I think is a team that you could expect to make a run like that with, you know, a striker like Sardar Osmond, who has been absolutely underrated his entire career, and he's still in his prime, only 25 years old, I think. Like a team like that, Japan, obviously, who looked really, really good at the 2018 World Cup, just got so unlucky in that match against Belgium in the round of 16. So I, I'm just, I just can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. Um, I'm a little disappointed, obviously, with the location and the politics behind that, as every uh, self-respecting soccer fan is. Uh, the timing of it isn't perfect. I would prefer it be in the summer, but I'm just happy that the World Cup is, is back. And uh, yeah, it's a year away right now, but it still feels like I can almost taste it. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, and
1: James, you said, you know, every self-respecting soccer fan probably sour grapes in their mouth, but after the four years that have led up to this, I think any soccer fan, whether they pride themselves on fair play or if they were part of Seth Blatter's posse, they're all fine with whatever it may be so long as the World Cup proceeds as it's scheduled. But before we can even get there, I'm super excited to say that, you know, WfuVFC is going to have a ton of stuff to cover in the whatever 11 months, 11 and a half months leading up to Qatar, you know, US still has to finish qualifying. So does rest of Europe. And then, you know, as we finish premier league season, it's going to be a quiet summer. So maybe it's going to allow, depending what we're doing and where the world is at, maybe we can try and get a fuVFC into, you know, Fen Fenway Yankee stadium to go watch a NYCFC match together. I don't know spitballing ideas, but it's definitely going to be a fun build-up to Qatar. And I think, you know, as clock strikes midnight on new year's Eve, we can say the countdown to Qatar is on, which every soccer fan, and you know, even if you're not a soccer fan, if you're just an average American citizen, that's the time in which you like to flex your muscles and say, yeah, I'm American. Yeah. I'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning to watch this play Senegal, because when else are you going to have an opportunity to do so? So James, I appreciate you coming on, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's been so fun to watch this podcast grow. You know, you, Michael, Nick, just to name a few that have joined us thus far this year, obviously have helped so much in terms of content, made it super easy on me to talk soccer just because you guys all know your stuff and it's, you know, not so much a job, but it's more just like, okay, what are we going to talk about for 30, 45 minutes about soccer and conversations can run anywhere, which I'm always appreciative of. And, you know, I hope that we can work together more in 2022 hopefully michael's internet connection figures itself out (laughs) in the new year with all that being said super fun to talk and recap the year looking forward to all that soccer has to offer in 2022 and so for james burley i'm keenan troy saying have a happy new year folks we'll see you on the other side of the calendar sheet hopefully we'll have some more news to talk about hopefully the soccer continues as scheduled but even if it doesn't we'll be here and we'll find some crazy slants to talk about them take care